Welcome to the podcast. I'm Bruce Moe of Commonwealth Magazine, and with me today is Brian Lang, the president of Unite Here Local 26, the union that represented dining hall workers in the recent strike at Harvard. He is also a member of the MBTA's Fiscal Management and Control Board, which is charged with getting the T back on track. Welcome, Brian. How you doing? Great. Good to be here. Good. It seems like you have an interesting perspective on labor management relations right now. You had a union that achieved all of its contract goals, basically, by going on strike for three weeks at Harvard. And you serve on a board that seems very interested in privatizing operations at the T, which tends to mean fewer union jobs. Another interesting parallel I noticed, seven members of the Carmen's union leadership were arrested on October 6 for blocking trucks coming in, out of the, in and out of the T's money counting facility. You were arrested along with 10 other people on October 14th for blocking traffic to protest Harvard's failure to give its dining hall workers a fair contract. Tell me about the situation you find yourself in, heading a union and then serving on a board that might be in conflict uh, with the T's unions. How do, you, how, do, how, do you, how do you handle that? Well, uh, first and foremost, I... When I'm acting as the president of Local 26, it's very clear that my job is uh, as a representative of the 10,000 members in our union. Uh, when I'm sitting as a control board member, my job is uh, a member of the Fiscal Management Control Board. Two distinct, different um, jobs. And so I, uh, I keep reminding myself when I'm sitting on the control board that um, it's not my job to represent, as a, a union president would, uh, the workers of the T. They have their elected representatives, and uh, they have their approach and strategy as to how they're going to do that. Um, I do bring uh, a perspective that, uh, particularly um, with the challenges before us at the T, uh, there is a lot of room uh, for common ground here. Uh, the interests of the workers at the T um, really overlap with the interests of the citizens of uh, the Commonwealth on uh, having a, a vibrant and world-class uh, T. So um, tell me, when you were appointed to the Fiscal Management Control Board, I assumed it was be partly because of your background and your experience, or am I wrong about that? Well, I... I asked the governor directly why he was appointing me, and he said two things. He said that uh, the contact that he's had with uh, our union, the members of our union, uh, has always been very respectful, and that I am the head of a union that represents a lot of folks who are dependent on the T, uh, and so he thought it would be useful uh, from both vantage points to... Uh, appoint me. And I, I was uh, honored and uh, flattered by the governor's uh, compliment there. So um, the strike at Harvard, uh, big step to go on strike for close to three weeks, I think. Um, well, but that seems to be have been that and building support from students, faculty, and the public at large seems to be a key factor in in winning all your goals. Uh, how do you see it? How, what happened there? Well, 
our goals were very simple and modest. Um, we started by uh, proposing to the richest university in the world um, a program to deal with income inequality on the campus. Uh, our members, the dining service workers, are the lowest paid uh, folks on the campus. And so we proposed $35,000 minimum annual income and to not increase health care uh, costs, particularly the co-payments that uh, Harvard increased for thousands of other people on the campus. Um, and our members were very determined, had a tremendous amount of courage. Our members work paycheck to paycheck. Many of them had not worked all summer and couldn't collect unemployment. They came back, worked a month, and uh, because of uh, the Harvard administration's incalcitrance uh, at that point after five months of negotiations, the members decided to go on strike and they held firm for three, for three weeks and would have held out longer if Harvard hadn't, um, the administration hadn't um, developed the will uh, to do the right thing. And why do you think Harvard resisted for, for three weeks, I guess you'd say? You know, I can only speculate, um, and I'd rather not speculate. Uh, what I can say is that uh, Harvard should be proud at this point that they have participated in setting a new standard for dining hall workers in the Boston area, one which uh, we're going to take out uh, to the other uh, universities and colleges where we represent dining hall workers, and the next one will be Northeastern. Uh, we think that, uh, so Harvard is actually, uh, has participated in setting a new standard, which Harvard has a history of doing. Uh, back in the early 2000s, uh, they set a standard around uh, a living uh, wage for service uh, sector workers that other uh, institutions have emulated. So um, uh, my hat's off to Harvard for making the right decision at this point. I can see why your hat's off to them, but but it seems like it was a struggle. It wasn't, they didn't just sort of say, yeah, that makes sense, let's do it. Um, without like, even talking about Harvard, what is sort of the context of labor negotiations in this area and across the country right now? Is it is it difficult to be a person in your position? Um, there's, without a doubt, there's challenges, um, but I, I actually... Uh, my experience revolves around uh, hospitality workers, meaning folks who work in food service, institutional food service, uh, and in hotels. And my experience is that uh, working class people today are hungry uh, for a program to stand up and improve uh, the conditions for themselves and their families and their communities. And um, I think the Harvard, uh, what the dining hall workers at Harvard did, uh, is a good example of that. Uh, this is an example of ordinary people who don't necessarily see themselves, for the most part, as activists in any way, who came together, really had each other's back, and stood firm against uh, a quite powerful institution uh, and did very extraordinary things along the way. You mentioned the, the civil disobedience uh, there were nine women who n had never did done anything like that before and who were, quite frankly, terrified at the prospect of doing it. 
but after some conversations amongst themselves and with me and, and others, decided that it was worth doing that. And uh, they went into that action terrified. They came out uh, with a, a, a much stronger sense of themselves and how powerful they are as women and uh, what's, what the possibilities are uh, as working-class people standing up together. Um, the experience of going on strike like that is an experience that is extremely challenging on the one hand. On the other hand, I wish more people got to experience it because uh, the connection that people uh, develop with each other, the sense of pride, and um, the sense of purpose is not something that a lot of people in our society today get to experience. So, so take off your union leader hat and mm -hmm. put on your tea hat for a minute. Um, it seems like you, you're going you're to be in a different position uh, on the Fiscal Management Control Board dealing with some of the tea unions. Now, you, you said that there's a lot of, of room there to, to work things out and make progress together. Um, but there's been a lot, there's been some combative talk uh, so far, um, both on both sides in a, in a way. Um, tea officials are talking about privatization as a way to reduce costs. Uh, union workers are sort of drawing a line in the sand saying, uh, no, uh, this is going too far. Um, how, how do you personally approach that issue? Well, I, I look at it really, uh, or I try to look at it from the perspective of uh, what is best for the uh, transportation system overall. Not, not in the short term, but in the short, medium, and long term. And um, at this point, I've uh, come to the conclusion that the operations, the core operations, and the maintenance are best served um, in-house, and uh, I'll tell you why. Um, when I look at the privatization of, and I'm talking about the, again, the core operations. I'm not talking about uh, payroll services or, or that type of thing. Um, you look at something like the commuter rail. Um, the Fiscal Management Control Board inherited uh, a contract uh, with Keolis. We didn't negotiate it. As it turns out, um, the contract was not adequate for Keolis to actually continue to operate. Um, they were on the verge of walking away from it. We were beholden to them. Hmm. So in that context, we negotiated the best deal that we could, uh, but the, end, the, the result was another $66 million for them. But we were beholden to them. Uh, I think we have other contracts out there uh, where we're in a similar position. I don't want to see us get into that position with the operations of the bus lines, of the heavy rail, of the light rail, uh, or the maintenance. Uh, if we lose our expertise completely, and I think we've, um, uh, over the decades, have lost a fair amount, um, we're going to be beholden to the private sector. And uh, if that happens, 
I think uh, it'll be a disaster for the tea. You mentioned that they were, uh, the tea was beholden to Keolis, uh, that they were maybe going to walk away. Um, they were actually saying that? Not in those words, but it was a distinct possibility. Mm-hmm. Um, from their point of view, uh, the contract wasn't working for them. They're a, a French company. They were getting a tremendous amount of pressure uh, from uh, their headquarters. And uh, we, were in, we were not in a position to say, take it or leave it. Because if they left, we would have been without a commuter rail system operating. Right. Right? Um, I think, uh, to me, there was a real lesson in that. Um, and under those circumstances, we negotiated a very good deal. But that's, that's a real uh, severe handicap to be in. Right. So, you know, let's, let's look at our mandate from the uh, legislature. Well, we're supposed to shrink the operating budget to uh, being a balanced budget. And that's an enormous pressure on us. And I think that that pressure, uh, if we get tunnel vision just around that pressure and start just looking at that and not looking at the medium in the long term, we could fall into the trap of privatization is a way to uh, reduce the costs, and then, yeah, great, we fulfilled the mandate of the legislature, but where does that put us uh, going forward in the future? And that's a major concern that I have. Um, and, yeah, we have a mandate, but what's going to happen if we don't exactly come down to an exact balanced budget? I'm willing to take that risk right. if it means that uh, we have to sacrifice something there in order to maintain a rational uh, approach to the medium and long term. So you mentioned core services uh, that you'd like to, you know, maintain in house at the T, and I guess it all depends on your definition of core services. I think uh, I think you were away with fighting the fight with your own union at the time the, um, or approximately when when the T voted to privatize uh, the money counting operation. And it was represented then that you would have voted no if you had been there by, I think, that the chairman. Um, now, that was portrayed as a non-core function. Um, where, where do you draw the line on that? Or is it case by case? I, it really is case by case. And uh, the problem I had with the uh, privatization of the money room was I, I just felt that it was done hastily. I think that we uh, there were there were compelling arguments uh, to do it. On the one hand, on the other hand, I don't think it had to happen as quickly as it did, and that uh, we uh, might have been able to engage uh, the union uh, in a, a better way than happened. And are you um, um, the? The T hasn't made any decisions about other privatization stuff yet, but but there's talk of of um, uh, you know even going far as as far as bus operations. That's just sort of you know that's a possibility. They haven't really raised it yet, but it seems like there is a mandate or a push by the management to to do more of this. Um, 
do you think it's ever possible that there would be a strike at the T? Uh, Philadelphia has been hit with a strike by transit workers. Do you think that would ever happen here? I, I, I don't really know, but uh, just to address Philadelphia, they have a history of striking on a regular basis. I know that, and they're unique in that regard. Um, I don't have any recall of a strike in Boston uh, in the T. Uh, there may have been. Yeah, I don't one. have any recall either. So, um, but then again, uh, nobody had any recall of a strike at Harvard, and we had a strike there. But um, anyway, I it's it hasn't been a concern that's been raised, and it doesn't look like we're anywhere near a strike. Um, there was a rally by the Carmen's Union out in front of the State House uh, a week or so ago, where the mayor of Boston spoke. And he represented that he was trying to work some back channels with the governor, trying to find some common ground, some ways around this. I was just curious, given your background, are you uh, uh, taking on any similar role, trying to work between the unions and and management there? Or are you sort of going to stick to your position as, you know, a member of the board and and hear things there? Well, first, just to comment on the mayor and the governor speaking, I actually think they're they're both uh, uh, very very smart, and they I think they both care deeply about uh, fixing the problem of the T. So that to me is a very encouraging sign. Uh, the mayor and the governor um, talking about it, and anything I can do would pale <laughs> compared to those two. So um, I I hope uh, what the mayor uh, suggested in his remarks is is going on and is happening in an ongoing way and just in general how do you feel the um you've been on this fiscal management and control board i've, I've never seen anything quite like it in state government um you folks meet practically every week uh, sometimes even more often and it's just issue after issue after issue and it's not just little things like a you know a little contract here or there it's 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 everything, and it's really complicated stuff. Um, and yet, you've drawn. And this is my personal opinion. You've drawn attention to what is the problem at the T, or what are the problems at the T. And I, I feel like you've given a perception that we're trying to address them, even though it appears to be a very difficult challenge. How do you think it's gone so far? Are you glad I, you got in? I am. I've, <laughs> I've learned a tremendous amount, and um, I, I can't think of another context that I'd have the opportunity to work with uh, a group uh, like the other members of the control board, and um, it's, it's really opened my mind to the possibilities of uh, collaboration in general. When I look at, uh, on paper, I, I look at someone like Steve Poptek. Before I met him, I thought to myself, wow, we're, this is going to be interesting. And um, it, it just goes to show that, uh, at least for me, I, I carry stereotypes of, of someone who was uh, kind of characterized as conservative and uh, on the other end of the political spectrum. And then I get in the room with them and we get talking and we have so much more in common uh, and particularly, I, I think every, each and every control board member uh, is very dedicated and cares deeply about the uh, mission that we're on. And the diversity of experience and opinion is actually very healthy. And 
Uh, at the end of the day, the person I think who deserves the credit the most for uh, such a good board, and I think that we are a good board, is the governor. Uh, he put together a, a board not based on uh, uh, political favors or anything like that, but based on the variety of perspectives that he thought would be useful. And it, as it turns out, I think he was right. And you're, you're going to be working for at least how much longer? Do you, do you? I guess till July of 2018. So it's, it's, you still have quite a ways to go. Yes. <laughs> but is the, is the end in sight in turning around the T? Do you feel like you're, you see the light at the end of the tunnel, or are you still sort of... Uh... <laughs> um, you know, maybe it's because uh, I'm probably the least experienced person on the board when it comes to transportation uh, and finance. I think you, you take those two uh, disciplines... <laughs> Uh, and so maybe other board members ha have a better perspective on where the light at the end of the tunnel is. Uh, I feel like such a novice that uh, I, I think we're making some progress in terms of outlining uh, the issues that we have to tackle. Um, and that's a, that's a fantastic step. Um, I, I actually don't think that the Fiscal Management Control Board is going to, at the conclusion of our terms, that things are going to be, there's going to be a huge light at the end of the tunnel. I, what we hope and what I hope is that we have things set on the right track and along with a, a new governance structure going forward that will be able to uh, bring us to the light at the end of the tunnel. Brian Lang, thank you for joining us today. And that's the end of the podcast. I want to Thank you for all listening in, and please sign up on SoundCloud and iTunes to listen to future episodes. Thanks. Have a great day.